podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It is the Anfield Wrap. I'm Neil Atkinson, joined by Josh Williams, Gareth Roberts, Stu Wright and Rob Gutman. Uh, Mark Garnett from the Stephen Gerrard Academy will be speaking to John Gibbons. That is to come. And ladies and gentlemen, it is a pleasure to be sponsored by Green King, uh, where football is indeed more than a game. Uh, if you want to follow them on Instagram, you're helping the Anfield wrap out. And in addition to that, you want to get down to your local Green King pub to be part of the process of enjoying the football with your friends rather than worrying about streams or any of that nonsense. There's additional content on the Instagram as well. So do follow, as I say, you're helping the Anfield wrap as much as anything else. Helping the Anfield wrap is Manchester City 1, Liverpool 1. Gareth Roberts, it's an excellent point for Liverpool in the current context of this season. It's an absolute belter of a point. It certainly is, mate. Um, I mean, look, you know, me and Stu were there last season and, and we got battered. Um, and it's not nice to go there and get battered. So, for me, going to City's been a little bit like what going to United used to be like, where you know the team's capable of something, but for whatever reason, they don't seem to be able to do it on the day. Um, and I thought there was a little bit of that in the early the early exchanges, if you like, in that, you know, I thought Liverpool were a little bit in their own heads in terms of, you know, overplaying a little bit, um, sort of not confident around the, around the box, looking for that extra pass when the extra pass wasn't on, that kind of thing. But look, it's understandable, isn't it? I mean, you know, they, they've been unbelievable at home. Um, 23 consecutive wins. 23. It's boss that we've ended that, by the it's way. It's brilliant. Um, I mean, I think they were about to break a record that went back to the 1800s, Sunderland, uh, of, of all teams. Um, so, you know, the, the players will be aware about how good they are, how important this match is, the fact that they've won the treble, that the fact that they've won all these Premier Leagues, albeit aided by blatant cheating. Um, so... It will be in the heads to go there and to go there and to perform to that level, to go there and get a result, to go there and get a draw is massive for this team because I think we've all been wondering what is it quite capable of? It, you know, it, it, yeah. the, the change in the summer is huge. The change in the summer wasn't expected either in terms of, in terms of some of the players, like it wasn't planned for. So to be this good this soon is brilliant and to go there and perform against them on their own ground in that run, absolutely superb made up. It was, Josh, a very resilient performance. That's the first way in which I'd describe it from Liverpool. I was I was sort of all right with the first 20 and then I thought it was a bit trappy from both sides. But when they score, all I'm thinking is we've got to get through at the very least the next 10, but probably all the way to half-time. And I think that Liverpool showed a ton of resilience and a ton of common sense. That was also maybe lacking at times last season. Yeah, and I think this is what you've got to factor into the performance, really, in terms of... Um how happy you are with it. I think it's one of them games where you, you separate the performance from the result, really. The results, obviously, we were made up with, really, in terms of um, getting a point there and stuff. And it tends to be a bit of a bogey ground for us. We've got the point there, you know, no issues with that. But in terms of the performance, it was a weird one to assess, I felt. Um, I thought we started the game, as you say, first 20. For me, a lot more composed than usual on the ball. Uh, a bit more relaxed, less hurried. Um, less just, like, hoofing over the defensive line and... Um, we saw a fair bit of possession as well in the, in the early stages and that, but more than I expected. Yeah, yeah, same. Um, and I initially I was thinking like you know this this is the midfield this this is the midfield influence and things compared to the previous midfield that we have in terms of the dynamics that they offered and stuff. But um, over the course of the game, I feel like generally we were we were relatively in touch with them. I felt um, I think they looked a tiny bit stronger in, across mo- most departments, but. You know, you'd kind of expect that considering they're several winners that a team that have been with each other longer. Um, 
they are playing. He picks ten who played for him last year, which I think is dead interesting. He doesn't he doesn't take any chance anywhere. He picks ten of last season's team. Yeah, it's at the Etihad as well. Yeah, and, and and Klopp's preparing like a really new group of midfielders, especially for a game away at the Etihad on the defensive side, with basically one session. You know, which which is difficult. So. All in all, it's it's. I think we've got to be pleased with what we saw. I think we, we we looked capable enough to compete with them, especially considering it's it's the first it's the first um, time this this new group have faced them as a team, and and you know we'll grow into that, and I'm sure we'll look a lot better as well. You know, when we next face them later in the season. That was one of the odd things about it for me, Stu, was that I felt you're dealing with two teams who I feel are both. Evolving, and that's a bit mad because they're you know I said he just picked ten of the previous season's team that was that won the treble, you know, and they have the season that they have last season in comparison to the season that we have last season, you know I don't necessarily disagree with Josh that maybe they just edge it in uh, in most departments, but it is only just, and to me it just looked like two evolving teams. I wasn't really expecting that. You know, I've seen a lot of City this season and they haven't massively impressed me whilst they're obviously really, really good. But I wasn't expecting to see two teams that look a little bit like they're in a bit of a transition. It doesn't make a ton of sense to me. It makes sense for us to be in a transition and that's one of the reasons why I think it is such a good point and such a good performance. Yeah, I understand what you're saying there. Um, I think there's also an element of both teams are a little bit gun-shy against each other. I think they're so wary of each other. There's There's so much history. And the two teams are evolving. Like I like I said there before, you know, we went last year and on the back of that, I woke up yesterday morning so excited. I wasn't nervous about the game. I wasn't because ner- I wasn't nervous about the results. The thing that I was nervous about was that we might go and not have a go. I just wanted to, this this opportunity. I just wanted to take this opportunity to like test out this new Liverpool team, see how it's evolved, see what its limits are, see what its capacity for growth is. Um Put a bit of fear into them, put a bit of doubt in their mind again. Even if we don't come away with the results, have them on the turn, have them think, God, we've got to go and play these at their ground again. Oh, I know, and God, this is going to go for years again. Look at these fellas that they've bought. We're going to have to do this every year against them. And and the same the other way, really, as well, I suppose, with their changes. And I don't think it really lived up to that. I've, I've seen some comments where people have thought about being a high-quality game. I don't think it was particularly a high-quality game. I Didn't think you? There was, no, I thought there, was, I thought there was patterns to play. I thought there was moments of high-quality within it. I thought the setups defensively were, were quite high-quality. I thought Manchester City's particularly, when um, we were trying to build from the back, the, the absolute wall they put up consistently blocking the passing lanes for us to get out in midfield was inc- it's probably the best I've seen. So I thought that was incredible. Um but in terms of in terms of when you talk about the evolution of the teams there, I was I was disappointed in City because I thought you've only got plan A, plan A, B, C, and D is all the same plan. Everything, everything was down that left hand side. There was a point after about an hour in the game where um, Foden was carrying it on the counter attack down their right hand side. And he looked up and he saw that Doku was out of position and he was more central. In fact, he was a bit more right of central. I don't know, there must have been some kind of transition in the play. And he, rather than continue the attack, he put his foot on the ball, stopped, passed it back and recycled the ball while Doku ran back over to his left wing position and they started the move again and then they pumped it down his side that's what they've been doing a lot of and that's what's dead interesting they won't even take any risk even when they're in transition like that he's so risk averse with them now 
Yeah, and I mean, they're a team, they're a team, they remind me of almost like a Zagreus team in the, in the back end of the 80s, where he, you know, he's got so many defenders in the team, he's got defenders everywhere, um, you know, Kenny loves a fullback, didn't he, um, and he, you know, Guardiola's gone quite similar to, to an extent. Loves a centre-half. He loves a centre-half, yeah, but you know, to see that their evolution has now, certainly when they're playing us, and you've said there it's been quite apparent throughout the season to see that they've now got to a point where that is plan A, B, C and D and it seems that then the only other plan is certainly was yesterday let's see if the ball breaks in the box for the absolute killer that we've got up front which is what happened you know they didn't create that we gave them that goal let, let's be fair so I, I think I was quite disappointed in, in what I saw from them I would have liked a little bit of more from us um, I thought the only player in our in our setup in that first hour who was showing any gnarl was McAllister, who I thought it was his best game for Liverpool, by the way. Um, I thought, you know, he was the only one who was really making a tackle and putting his foot in, and I would have liked a little bit of more of that in the game. What I think is interesting uh, in the game, when it is, could go either way, is a little bit, even at 1-0 to them, is the comparative strength of both benches. It's one of the reasons, Rob, I, I always felt we had a goal in us. Uh, all the way through that, I thought the, an opportunity will come we can continually change it. The quality is there. The quality is coming on. The freshness is coming on, and then the game becomes stretched in the second half. And to me, that's that's one of the one of the things that leads to Liverpool getting something out of the game is that it is just a little bit stretched. No matter how much City are trying to are trying to be risk averse, they nearly got one uh, three minutes before when Diaz should have done a bit better. If we're all honest about it, instead it comes three minutes later, albeit from when City have just had a really good chance themselves. But for me, it was the benches that made me think. Whilst this is a one nil get to half time, get to 60. Whilst this is a 1-0, Liverpool always had a chance of getting something out of it. City never looked like running away with it. Yeah, it was almost as though the bench gave us renewed belief. I thought it, we knew it was there. We knew that we'd win the bench war. And when they st he started making the changes, I felt that, the, you know, in the ground that we almost looked visibly lifted by, by, by them coming on. I think some of the lads who went off hadn't had had difficult afternoons, and that that sort of helped the the, the relative position. Curtis had a very mixed game. I th you know, some people were quite. I saw after the game on, on Twitter have been quite critical of him. I thought he did a lot well, but then again, he lost, got caught in possession a couple of times. A few of his final balls weren't right, but he definitely wasn't having his best afternoon. Understandable, a bit ring rusty. I thought Jota, it was one of those games where you go, where the hell is Jota? He wasn't stretching them. He wasn't particularly... in the. He, we weren't making the sort of moves that enabled him to make his runs. So when we made the changes, it made a difference for us. And Gravenberg was very, very lively. You know, he, we talked about what the case for Gravenberg and what the case for C Curtis was in all the shows we did in the week before. Gravenberg gave a, a really clear example of why the case for him was, was the better one. Having said that, it's much easier to be the player coming on than the player starting. So it's not, it's, it's not an indictment of Curtis that. Um, it's, it's an interesting contrast in the two managers' philosophies. In the Klopp, obviously, it's set his stall to use all five, did use all five, and they're a good five. And he holds back one of his arguably one of his best 11 in Diaz so that he can have a, a strong bench. And Diaz and, uh, Guardiola uses none, zero. It's it's fascinating. I, I do wonder with Klopp's evolution on how he's using his bench. He I noticed he brought the two on. on I looked at my watch and it's 54. 
I thought fifty four is a weird time. To well, he does it because Jota's injured. Yeah, yeah, but he does two. But he doesn't want to break the game. So what he's obviously planned to do those oh, two. Oh, I see. And he can only break the game three, three, times. three times. So what he's obviously concluded is, uh, I was probably by about Sorry. sixty going to do this anyway. Yeah. So I'll do it now. I think that was what was in his head. Yeah. I do wonder at some point. He has done halftime subs before, and I know uh, you know fans like me scream for halftime subs, but I do think sometimes. Just, just do. It. I mean, Mourinho did, did it famously. I wonder if Klopp will at some stage. Sort of, if you've got five, five, does it doesn't count as also as one of your? No, it doesn't. No, no, I think it's an so argument to do it more often it, these days. It was a yeah. As, as as I think everyone's alluded to, it's a really hard game to judge this in a, in any sense. You can almost post rationalise anything. As a, just as a pure fan in the ground, I spent the entire. I, didn't enjoy a second of the game. I barely enjoyed the scoring, I have to say, because it just it just ratcheted up the tension that we might actually get something out of. I'd long since sort of consigned the fact that we weren't getting out anything out of that game. And when they had the goal chalked off, I was like, it was sort of I was just waiting for the second. But I did. But it, well, I did definitely feel if we get to eighty at one uh, nil, we got a fighting chance here. And conversely, when we score, I think we're definitely winning this. But, there we are. But, uh, but what a journey. Me, Josh, just to sort of side note, saying something in, which I, I'd read beforehand on Neil Jones's Substack thing. One, some, somebody had asked uh, Kyle Walker after the game, did he, where did he rank this new Liverpool team alongside the great Liverpool teams he'd faced? And he very bluntly went, nowhere near. Which, I, which sort of knocked me back a bit. And I thought, I know he's probably been a bit salty, but again, yeah, I think we've all got it. It's a great point, but we've got it all to prove still. I think we have got it all to prove. We'll come on to that. I want to talk about the two goals, Josh. Uh, we'll start off with the with the one we concede. The keeper makes a mistake, obviously. Everyone can see what he's trying to do. For me, the bigger concern was there was just a lack of urgency quickly, to put it right. The, there wasn't an awareness that a lot of things are on fire here quite quickly because so many players' momentum has gone the wrong way. It's easy to say when you're not playing the game, but the smart thing to do is someone just takes the foul uh, on him straight away. And Liverpool don't do that. And there's been a bit more of that this season than there was last, but arguably not as much as there was between 2018 and 2020. There should have been an awareness. There's a bit of trouble here. Yeah, it was a frustrating one, that. Uh, I felt in, in the early stages, City didn't, create a great deal themselves. I feel like the the kind of openings that they got, we, we gave them through through silly little errors. I think there was a, a moment where it might have been Simakas gets caught on the ball, something like that early on. Allison, the keeper gives them one early on, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, Alisson gave them two, yeah. Yeah, hmm. Alisson gave them two. I thought it was Alisson's worst performance in a while, to be honest. Yeah, um, terrible. He gets a free pass, to be fair, for me. Yeah. I think uh, he was just miles off it, not, not only with the ball, but even the, the disallowed goal. He, he was just uncharacteristically weak in that moment um, but yeah that was, that was a frustrating one because I, I felt it was just vintage you know elite level Premier League where you make an error like that and you know Haaland immediately first touch second touch goal and, and you get punished immediately and uh, that's that's the, that's what kind of happens at this level, and especially when you face Manchester City away from home. And um, it was one of them. We didn't, we couldn't really argue too much about it. We just self-inflicted, really, which is frustrating. The keeper's been brilliant, Gareth. Let's just be crystal clear, so we you can be honest about it. Um, I think we. It was interesting. McAllister post-match talks about the the jet lag thing because it happens to the goalkeeper. The well, goalkeeper, yeah. McAllister's done a really interesting little thing where he says he couldn't keep his eyes open in team meetings Whoa. leading up to it, and. Their goalkeeper didn't go. It's worth pointing out. Yeah. So, by the way, he's, he's the best passer of the ball I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but we we'll, might we'll come back around onto that. Yeah, that injury cleared up uh, for him, didn't it? Uh, yeah, that injury really cleared up for him. Looked great. Uh, yeah. Must really, mm. must really have, 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 have sorted himself out. But 
to keep it as it is his poorest game certainly this season so far because he should save it as well you know yeah. and it's one which you watch back and it's the sort of thing you do expect him to save and there's a few other bits and pieces in there as Josh says where he just doesn't look quite on it but I'm happy to put that down to the same jet like that McAllister's talking about yeah, no, 100%. It was, it was uncharacteristic, wasn't it? The, you know, everything about his performance, really. Um, there's a few where he nearly gets caught. Um, you know, Curtis does him no favours with that uh, Lewis Garcia-esque moment. Um, and, but, but it's one of them, isn't it? I mean, what's more, of more concern is how, how, how bad is this injury and how long yeah. is he potentially out now? Because I don't think... I think Callis has done all right, but I don't think he's anywhere near... No. Allison's levels. Allison for me is the best goalie I've ever seen at Liverpool. Um, it's as simple as that. So, best one in the world. Yeah, so it's 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 huge if if he's not there. And you know, as Josh says, you've got to give him a pass. You, you know, it, it is it is a risk, it is a mistake. Um, but what he's trying to do is is release Mo Salah and get Liverpool on the attack. And you know what he a- actually was trying to do would have worked. It was a good idea, um, but it's just one of them. I mean, I'm more concerned that. You know, Nathan Ake is allowed to act like Beckenbauer and yep. go to Trent and Sabozlai so easy. Um, it, I think there's an interesting thing about Liverpool. I wondered whether it was a tactic. There was a lot of talk in the week, not least from me, about the referee being a mank and the referee growing up like literally round the corner from the stadium, affiliated to Manchester FA. Um, absolutely wild for me that he's refereeing that yes. match. Um, not fair on him for one thing well no exactly but and I actually thought he was alright and you know I think we've, we've got away with one with the uh, the goal that's disallowed did you really. have a chance about him in the ground no. did I come over on the telly no, no, you, you mank bastard throughout the game well every time he, he got one wrong which was quite frequently with yeah. his booking decisions but yeah I mean, because the crowd noticed so, it so I, I wonder given you know both that and how Liverpool have been treated by referees this season I wonder whether there was there been something in the team talk or the strategy about just play it safe today, lads. Because there was no... I didn't think they looked wound up. I didn't think they looked like, a, you know, a coiled spring coming out flying into tackles like you might expect. I thought they were very, you know, calm in that respect. Look, look at even Trent with Doku. I don't think he flies in on him at any point. Nope. He just allows him to, to hold the ball in a certain space. Runs with him, you know what I mean? Because we were saying when we were watching it, weren't we? How come he's not, like, got... You know, just putting one on him and saying, I'm here... But I, I think it might be because of what's happened at Spurs and because of what's happened generally this season. Let's not let give the referee a chance, do you know what I mean? Let, let's sort of like be sensible about, sensible it's also, about I this. I think lot. also though, Gareth, I think it's also worth saying they're dangerous from set pieces on top of everything else. Yeah. There's a lot of big lads in there. And yeah. then in the second half, when we do begin to give a few free kicks away in that sort of left wing area, I think it's noticeable that over and over again, you're like, God, they're good at these. I there's know, such yeah. good delivery. They're good at attacking it. Rodri Diaz, you know, and I, I wonder if the other thing is, lads, let's not, no easy set pieces either because they can hurt from there too. Yeah, and that, that's what, that, I think that's the best bit about the display, really, the sort of, the professionalism to, to, to come away with a draw I think we, you know we can all say and probably will say that Liverpool could have done better in moments it wasn't the best performance you've ever seen from Liverpool Trent alluded to that himself but you know they're coming away saying the same thing as yeah. well so you know what does that tell you I, I, I thought we were sensible in how we defended I thought you know we're constantly putting a wall a shifting wall in front of them where they couldn't really get proper shots off they didn't really have the moments they wanted around the box okay there's some chances there but I mean ultimately it's what They've got expected goals of 1.3 in a home match. We, I mean, we've got 0.5 or something like but But, you know, to, to limit them to that, given that they've won 23 on the run at home and haven't been beaten there since, what, December 22, then, yeah, brilliant from Liverpool. Just just to build on that as well, I thought, um, I thought the way Trent's handled Doku 
I thought it was by design. I thought I thought I, I thought it was by the instruction that he'd been told not to engage him, not even so much for the um, the set pieces, which I think is a valid point. But I I, I felt that. You know, you only have to look at what Doku's done so far. If he skins you, if he beats you, then he's created space. And that causes all kinds of problems. And what Trent, by not engaging with him, made him do was pass around him. And by passing around him, you're not wide open from the space that's just been created by taking a man out of the game. And I he doesn't pass the ball as well as Grealish. No. So no, I, I was thinking like, yeah, he's I, more of a dribbler. I though. thought it was a really, really clever way. But the thing is, when you look at the highlights, you look how much of the ball Doku had, and blah, then you know there's a little bit of a narrative out there that he, he's had strength <laughs> on toast, and that's absolutely not the case. I, I think the, the thing was, it was just really, really cleverly managed. And you're not going to get Everton right when you're doing a one-on-one <laughs> against a player like that. I also thought, you know, again, just expanding there on what Gareth said about that wall. I thought Klopp talked about before the game in his press conference with someone McAllister, and he was, he was talking about Liverpool being compact, and it was noticeable how compact Liverpool were ac- across the pitch. But vertically, after about the first 10 minutes, when we seemed to go into the game with some, some fierce intent and some desire to really uh, press with purpose, this often happens, I think, against City, uh, particularly away from home. They kind of grind you down a little bit and, and the gaps started to open up between um, our forward line and midfield who were on top of our forward line when they were trying to build. But we weren't pressing with the same conviction, and our defence, and you know that that space in the middle of the of the park, then for their midfield to to, and they're just they're so good at the one touch football and getting it through that first line into the midfield. It's amazing to oh, watch at times. It's incredible. So when they're pulling that off so quickly, then we were wide open and giving them huge spaces to run run into, giving them a platform to build pressure. But then we had that really sensible approach, that wall that they couldn't get through because we were compact across the pitch. On our goal, Rob, there's. In terms of, you know, we criticise the goalkeeper, but he does ever so well. Um, Van Dijk does well as well when you see it's the replay. It, well, it clips off Van Dijk uh, yeah. to hit him. He doesn't panic when it's coming towards him, the keeper, he deals with it. What to me, you know, it's been talked about Liverpool's professionalism and Liverpool's calm. To me, it's it's sort of all in that moment. Yeah. Every Practically every football team I've watched until... 20, 2014 say at that moment doesn't calmly play it out from the back they just empty it and go from there but Cal just takes a breath and Liverpool open up and being able to manage the emotions like that they go up the other end and it, it ends up being an excellent goal Trent's been in one penalty area he ends up in the other one slotting it it's wonderful technique I mean the quality of the strike City haven't solved the problem of Diaz getting in in the few minutes between when it's happened they've overcommitted and I you know I just think it's an excellent Liverpool goal yeah, it's, it's an exemplar goal for all that's good about this current iteration of Liverpool that we've seen so far. One thing I don't think has been talked about a lot is all season really is our deep defending. And Klopp referenced this pre-season when he said he wanted to see us good in both boxes. But when we've been forced to deep defend, we deep defend well, we get bodies thrown in. The number of times Doku did make himself half a yard and the ball did end up coming across, you think, oh shit. But the Haaland chance where which Allison saves, which starts the goal. It was actually a very rare occasion in the game where actually one of his balls across the box actually reached a city foot. But when we come out, yeah, it, it's got everything in it, really. It's got McAllister's composure, which is echoes of, is it the Everton breakaway goal where he gets us out? But there's two sort of uh, quiet contributions in that goal, which watching it back, I'd noticed Gravenberg takes that ball a long way up the pitch. Yep. Hugely important. The other sort of lost hero in it is Gakpo, who just as Salah gets the ball across to him from Luis Diaz, looks up for an option and Gakpo quickly makes a dart to his right and two City uh, defenders follow him. The space opens up for Trent and Salah goes, oh, that 
sideways ball, and Trent's actually got a clear run on goal there, or a clear run to get his shot away. But without Gakpo's pulling two men away, that goal doesn't happen. But you know what? It was, it's quietly as good a goal as we scored there, apart from the best goal we ever scored there. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a really, really good goal. Um, moving on into individual performances, Rob, you get to see why you start to matter for mm. the on-the-ball reasons, especially in that first hour. I think as Matip tires as the game gets a bit stretched, you know, he does look just a teeny little bit exposed, Joel, but in that first hour, his ability, his ability and desire to bring the ball out, to punch it through midfield, to find the pass, to be composed, I think is is hugely important. I think it's a genuinely excellent game from Matip. It really is. I mean, it's a, you know, there's a few of our sort of older stages who've, who've put in performances this year, which have reminded us that they're far from finished. And few have talked about Matip getting back to his best level, although he's had a solid season. I thought he was exceptionally good. Uh, there's, there's the bit he actually brings the ball out as one of the most dangerous phases of play we had in the in the entire match, where he runs through them and and stretches them. But yeah, his composure was there. I didn't think he quite had that level of a performance still in him. I, I sort of think if that's the level he can find, we need to keep Matip fit. We need to... He's the cotton... He, You know, there was a phase where he edged himself ahead of... Well, he edged him... He won a war with Joe Gomez after the title season, didn't he? Got Gomez out of the way. Or was it either side of it? I can't remember the order of events. You feel... He could edge Canate out of the way if he keeps up this form. And he actually literally did that yesterday. It's... Again, to appreciate what the manager's chosen to do tactically, Josh, you get to see in 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 Matip's performance precisely why he's picked him. I'm, I'm I was sort of struck by it. You know, you can go from not quite sure why he's doing this pre-match, and after about half an hour, you're like, I know exactly why he's done this, and that's an interesting journey. You know, you, that he gets what he wants to such a degree is also worth pointing out. The manager, you know, he's not a stupid man. He's very very clever. He knows the game, but that ability to be able to, you know, he's not quite the same as the way City's many centre backs play. But that ability to be able to to punch it through, I just think, I just think it's it's so important in games like that to make sure that you do keep the ball. And I think the idea of being able to keep the ball for the first hour is the explanation of a lot of what the manager's decisions are with the team. Well, I agree with Stu earlier in terms of uh, Guardiola's setup just being so defensively sound in comparison to his last outing as well against Chelsea. I think he was a bit all over the place with that concede four. He really showed that up against Liverpool. But I think just having a player like Matip on the pitch, um, specifically when you're building the game, he just offers so many solutions for you in terms of his unpredictability. And you know, he, he's not kind of phased when he's the free man. And when he's the free man, he makes it the case that someone else becomes the free man by committing the body. Um, so, yeah, I thought Mazza was brilliant on the ball. There was a moment as well on, on top of the the kind of marauding run that he did. Really subtle moment later in the game where I think Liverpool were pressing for a goal. Um, and the ball kind of comes out of the sky or something. He's getting pressed by Bernardo Silva, who's like a little dog at times. And he just... Um, he, he just put his foot on the ball and just rolled it the other direction just so relaxed so calm you could argue maybe Canarsie would have panicked a little bit more in that moment potentially Gomez as well but it was a proper like ball playing centre halfs moment where he just put his foot on the ball played that easy despite getting pressured by a really good player um, and yet that kind of foundation allows Liverpool to to just see more of the ball at the Etihad, which is easier said than done, and which so many teams struggle to do. There's something Gareth in both Matip and Van Dijk. Van Dijk does it a couple of times first half, where the solution to the way in which City are going to press you is, as Josh says, 
to back your technique and flip it around on them and run at them. Yeah. And both of them do it. And that again, that's not an accident. That's the manager A making a decision where well, he's always going to pick Van Dijk, but to pick Matip. But I suspect also B saying to them beforehand, when this happens, give them a little bit back like that. Make them make them not want to pressure hundred percent because you can make them look daft and create the space and go the other way. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I, I think you know it's definitely part of the plan. Yeah, it sort of doesn't feel like it's part of the plan. I feel like it shouldn't be. Like, it shouldn't be allowed. I, I don't. It's something about matter, but about like the man he is and and how he, how he how he looks and how his body is. That when he goes on those runs, I just heard the Benny Hill music in my head. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and like it, it feels like it's wrong, but it's definitely right. And he's really good at it as well. Do you know what I mean? He can he can beat men. Like there was one run he went on where you were actually thinking it's on for the shot there, you know? Yeah. And like I, I, I thought he was going to hit it, and, and I was a bit disappointed he didn't because you know love not more than to see him score. Um, but but you know it, it's it's tough for them to to set up against that, isn't it? They're not expecting that. I think as well in a, a game of that magnitude, they're not expecting the centre half to start doing that as well because it's it obviously comes with risk. But yeah, it was definitely definitely part of the plan, and it definitely was was difficult for them to deal with. I, I love Matip. It's a shame that he's thirty two, um, and it's a shame that we've got to start thinking about you know what happens next. But get him on the pitch, and you know I, I think you know long gone are the days where we were down. You know there was a bit of a thing once upon a time was you know is he a bit. Almost too relaxed. Does he? Does he? Does he? You know? Does he get stuck in? Has he got that fire in him? Um, now he looks like an, you know a, a cultured centre half and a and a, a great sign and, and you know it says everything that he picked him for this match. He's definitely got the fire in when you see him having those regular nervous yeah. breakdowns on, on the pitch as well. <laughs> the Brentford one was unbelievable, <laughs> yeah. wasn't it? The, I think there's something interesting at though, Stu, that it's sort of what Harlan doesn't want to be doing as well. I I, I thought it was interesting to see Harlan had a little laugh with Trent when he got pulled out into the channel and he wins the throw and all of that. But you don't see Harlan doing much channel work. Like he doesn't do that dog centre forward work of hold the ball up. Win a throw or it doesn't have to the whole thing's built so he doesn't have to and I think there's a little thing where maybe this is something that sides can think about with City because it isn't it isn't to say for a second that Haaland isn't absolutely brilliant because he obviously is but part of what he does is he devotes his entire energy to I'm going to be brilliant in and around between the posts doing all that he doesn't really want to be pressing and if he hasn't got Alvarez to do that work for him you can actually create a little bit of space there and I think that was something that Chelsea were onto and I think it's something that Liverpool are onto in that game as well yeah, I think, I mean, he's absolutely relentless, isn't he, in terms of he will keep making the right run. He will keep, even the goal, the goal, I thought, you know, when you when you look at it, how that kind of situation um, broke down and, and as Ake's moving forward, we're a little bit in transition in defence because obviously we weren't expecting to be dealing with the ball coming back at us so, so quickly. And um, Matip and, and Van Dijk are trying to get themselves organised and... Haaland is on is on with Van Zijk and he then runs onto the back of Matip and Matip doesn't know he's there uh, and he ends up through that run I think Van Zijk could have been a little bit sharper with it to be honest and just been a bit a, been a bit more alive to it but I think it was very easy to lose a split second of concentration over the way that transition happened but he managed to, to create himself an absolute acre of space in that channel, which is incredible to be able to do that against those two centre halves. Who, you know, there the, the can't be many better centre half partnerships in the world when they're on, on form, and, and they are on form at the minute. Van Dijk and, and Matip are very, very much on form, and that is the partnership I, I feel going forward at this moment in time. Um, so to find that, I, there was a lot. Of, there was a lot of talk. Um, I, I noticed in the um, in the half time about comparing. You know what an incredible finish and chance that was from Haaland 
compared to, to Nunes and how he made a mess of it when he got put through one time. But the difference was, the, the run that Haaland had done, and because the breaking transition, as I said, he, he could have got a double-decker bus down that channel and he could take his time and slide it into the corner. Whereas Nunes... It wasn't the same chance. It no. was not the same chance. It was a case of, you know, he got put through, it was a little bit behind him, he had to bring it forward on, onto his wrong foot. And then he had like, it felt like about six defenders immediately on him because they are so well set up defensively for the reasons that we said uh, said before. Um so, yeah, I mean, other than that, though, I can't remember a Haaland chance in the game. I, I can't remember well, one apart from the goal. Apart from the goal. He's in the header as well. He's a header at the end as well. Yeah, he has a header at the end from the corner. Getting dangerous from set pieces. But you uh, take that one or two oh, in yeah, the game, that, I mean, you, do you know what I mean? And one of them was by our own making. By the way, that little comparison thing, which Rob won't have known because he was in the grounds, was a great example of Neville turning up with a narrative he's decided beforehand and then absolutely hammering it and then creating it into the narrative because no one knows what else to do and then you've got to go from there. So the best thing to do is just fucking ignore it. Go on. Nunes got three decent efforts away during the course of that game, at least three. The one he took on his left that you were just referencing, Stu, and there's one in the second half on his right where Edison has to make a really smart save. It was just behind that. There's some whip on that, by the way. And then there's the header early on. So Nunes wasn't his greatest game didn't do a lot wrong wasn't given a lot to work with but there you go but he had three top quality efforts but, but I think the interesting thing is Rob for instance you don't see a lot of Alvarez in the game no. uh, we've mentioned Doku you don't see a lot of Foden in the game for us it's interesting that none of our starting from three plus the two subs plus even Sabozlai if you want sort of get near shining you know what I mean I think that's going to be the nature I remember watching Liverpool Chelsea games back in say 2006 and everyone would say you didn't see much of Drogba today you didn't see much of Torres a couple of seasons later you know there'd be games where everyone after the fact to go well you know Gerrard was quiet Lampard was quiet Ronaldo would come to Anfield yeah. under Man United everyone saying Ronaldo wasn't in it that much when these games are that tense on that much of a knife edge that's just sort of the thing that happens yeah I thought Haaland was shit yesterday <laughs> don't watch him close up very often he's, he's overrated <laughs> fastest 50 goals my ass but um, one of the things that that sort of Kyle Walker interview I was referencing when I just remembered when they asked him to expand on why this Liverpool wasn't like the, the best of the Liverpools he said well they didn't create many clear cut chances well I, think, well I don't think City did either mm. Doku who did terrify the life out of me but by the end of the game I was, I was saying he's a poor man's Ben Dokim he hasn't got any end product <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm semi-joking but at the end of the day I did look on about 80 if Doke was on the bench. When we went, well, because I, I hadn't checked the bench properly, I hadn't properly processed it. And I was just, Doke on the bench, because that could be interesting here for 10 minutes of, of really well, getting well, there. He wasn't. I agree. I mean, what Stuart referenced at the beginning, the, the, the Doku thing, I mean, he's very, very good. Don't get me wrong. But they, the, the way they gear up, the overload, and what I notice is we were very, very smart and we were ready for Doku. We always had a man doubling up and his early attempts at going past anyone. We might skip past the first man, but the second man would see him inside. So what they'd do, they'd overload to so that the, our second man would be drawn out and Doku would have a one-on-one. But he only twice in the entire game, I think, gets round the back and gets one across. One's the one that nearly, which actually leads to our goal, doesn't it? And the, and the other one's in the first half. He's an interesting player, but I'm not into, I'm, I haven't watched a lot of City, but so maybe I've missed all the brilliant goals he scored or something. But Got a couple and a few assists. He's lively and he's it, difficult to defend He's very against. good, but it could, he's one of those sort of young players that could go either way. He could be about to become Cristiano Ronaldo or he could be something much less. Um, other side of the pitch in that City do attack more down their left or right but I felt through the game in every single sense I include his ability to play under pressure to move along I thought Kostas Shimakas stood very strong indeed um, Josh it could well be his best game for Liverpool in the same way that it could well be McAllister's best game for Liverpool because to have performed like that 
under that stress, under that pressure, against that opposition, I think I think both of them come out of the game with massive credit. Well, going into the game, I, I felt, if you look at the, the 22 players that were going to be on the pitch, I was a little bit concerned. If you're picking out the weakest of all the 22, it was probably going to be Simicast, I think. Um, just purely on paper, that is. But in terms of performance, I thought he, I thought he delivered to, to a reasonable standard. Yeah, I don't think he looked exposed. I don't think he looked out of place at all. He looked like he belonged in the game. Um, and we, we were speaking on the Friday night as well, weren't we, about like what Guardiola will target and, and how like he's like the master of picking out a weakness and, and, and making it look bad. Um, I was a little bit concerned it would have been potentially Simakas because he's he's not a regular starter. Robertson's out of the team. I was concerned that it could have been McAllister, considering he's he's not as much of a natural six as a Rodri, for example. Um, City tend to play with two number tens at times. You can overload McAllister in that sense, especially if you can attract uh, Jones and Sobosley up the pitch. But he, he went kind of very signature Guardiola against Liverpool and just put everything down Trent's side. Uh, Doku engaging in, um, I think, more more completed dribbles, I think, than anyone's completed all season, maybe for a, a, a long period of time, actually, I think, off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, it was, I think McAllister and and, and, Sob- and uh, Simicash, the way they performed and the way they kind of, um, kind of executed their own game plans and, and kind of refused to be to be deemed as weaknesses in the game. I thought they really stood tall and, and, and just, you know, didn't allow themselves to get exposed at all. Gareth on McAllister, I'm, I'm delighted for him. I mean, not least if yeah. he has fallen asleep in team meetings. Uh, but um, I, I just really did feel as though <laughs> it backs up what the manager was saying in his press conference uh, before the match, if you compact, if you work around him, it can work. But I think also, again, in those games, which is so much about the test of your technique, as much as anything else, that's either going to pressure, going to hurt you. He's up against his international teammate and Alvarez, who I thought was trying to be all over him at times, and he kept getting away from him. You know, I think he shows that that role interpreted that way, he can do it because, as I say, I think it's his best game for Liverpool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was a concern, wasn't there, obviously, with the with the travelling, and I didn't know about the falling asleep thing, but if I'd have known that, it would have been even more concerned. I mean, I went to um, Wolves away, and uh, obviously he's hooked at half-time there, and he was absolutely blown for tugs in that game. Like, he looked absolutely goosed, red-faced, um, off the pace, um, and obviously the manager said with hindsight he, he he shouldn't have picked him. So there was a little bit of worry in my mind that you're going to see something similar. Um, so for him to pull that performance out was brilliant. I mean, I've still got to think about him personally in that position that just, just you know, physically he's not that big. Um, and I'd love to see a bigger fella basically in that position because you're ultimately coming up against loads of Grocks playing in that role yeah. and he's not one um, so I think at times he just struggles there's nothing he can do about that he can't make himself bigger do you know what I mean um, but give him you know, what he is what he's got what you know, and, and given that he is playing out of position as well ultimately I thought he was superb yesterday enjoyed it um, I thought he was really dogged as well I mean we're talking about how he was on the ball and keeping the ball and getting away from people I thought in terms of just being like, you know, we mentioned the little dog on the pitch. Well, he was our little dog, do you know what I mean? And he, he, he was sort of, I thought he was Mascarano-esque at times, yeah. which which I enjoyed. Yeah, I, I completely agree. As I said before, then I thought it was best game for Liverpool. Um, I, I think McAllister's, I, 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 think, I think Klopp's playing him there because he can play on the turn, but... I don't think it's a, it's a great strength of his. Um, I think he, McAllister is much more effective when the game's opening up in front of him, and he can link the, the, the you know the forward players. He can he can bring things to play. But um, 
I, I think yesterday, I mean, like everyone else, I was a little bit worried that um, that they'd try and target him when he was on the turn, and they didn't get near him really. And it was the one midfielder I thought that really played with an awareness of everyone else around him. Um, he was one midfielder who'd put his foot in. I think he was the one midfielder who looked like he realised he was he was in a, a very very competitive game, you know, a, against p- potential uh, title. Rivals, um, hopefully you know that's the position we're going to put ourselves in. So, yeah, really, really good. Um, just quickly on the player who gets man of the match on Sky, um, we've mentioned the way in which he marshaled Doku uh, brilliantly. Rob got to see some range of passing from him, but I think they were trying to do a bit of a job of ensuring he doesn't get on it and blocking his lanes as had been discussed. But it's such a great goal for the Liverpool vice captain to score. You know, it feels so imbued with meaning and significance for him. It's arguably, and I don't want to sound like one of those fellas, it's arguably the sort of goal he should score more of, given his technical ability. He arrives onto it brilliantly. His entire performance is excellent. Trent Alexander-Arnold played ever so well. Yeah, it's a goal that's going to provoke that debate, and I think it, it probably was on Sky Afters, was it? The mid, should he play a midfield debate? I imagine that Carragher and Neville... We, no. just, went, we just went to pub. Just yeah, we just... I had to do, had to do a show, did, Rob. You probably I had to did, do a show, you know what I mean? You probably did, We've all got it. jobs. <laughs> he does... He, he, Every t- I mean, look, Trent Alley, when you see him strike a ball that cleanly, you go, well, of course he can strike a ball that cleanly. He strikes a ball that cleanly in all areas of the pitch. And it's just another one of those reminders, I just wish there were two of them. One that could play this perfect hybrid midfield role, deep-lying, quarterbacky kind of role that, that quickly got balls over top and released people, but also one who could be like a, a Steven Gerrard attacking midfielder who could arrive into space on the edge of the box and use that, that, that weapon he has just to put the ball in the back of the net. And it's a debate that's going to rage and rage and rage. I do, I do, I do wonder whether who was it was it Carragher who said I think in, in some in some in the week or something it'd be good if Liverpool did actually give themselves an option at right back so that they had variation maybe in the middle of a game even to bring somebody on who was a genuinely attacking good right back who could do a little bit of what Trent does anyway and allow Trent to be one of the attacking number eight to be a hell of a break glass or at number six or at number six he clops the one who said that I, mean, I kind of think. Yeah, I get that, but I really like lads who put the ball in the back of the net and are quite trustworthy when you put them in range of goal. Rodri scores a lot of goals for City these days from number six. He does. Maybe it would have to be the way we'd, we'd set up. They seem to manage to let him arrive in those positions. The interesting thing was Trent plays midfield for England in the week, and, and it, I didn't watch either game, but I did read That's the report. That's because you're a human with a life. Yeah, exactly. But I did read, this, I did read the, the reports, and in each one they talked about him getting two or three shots on good efforts on goal away, and I thought... Yeah, that was his only effort in that game and probably his first effort probably in the last four games to Liverpool, which it feels agonisingly like something has to give to make that happen more often. It can't just be a lovely treat. Um, I, th- I think we should hail his scouseness as well in, in this podcast <laughs> because, um, you know, you've got their fans singing about poverty uh, yet again. Um, just grim tran- chants that don't belong in a football game for me. So they're doing that all game. Um, you know, footy players tend to say in interviews they don't hear things yes. um, <laughs> which is absolute bollocks and, and you know I remember doing something with um, with Andy Robbo and, and I asked him about that and he said well I play fullback and I'm right by the fans what do you think of course of course they hear it mm. so I absolutely loved the celebration I, I loved that he goes and shushes them I loved that it, you know the, the arrogance standing there with the finger on his mouth Cantona wasn't it yeah, it, was back in their faces. it was absolutely brilliant and it was brilliant that you know a scouse lad goes and gives it back to the Manx um, you know we've had that before obviously you know, you know Gerard at Old Trafford and kissing the camera and that kind of thing 
Uh, yeah, more power to him. I was a, it was a great goal, but matched by the celebration as well, giving it to them was, was glorious. Absolutely. Uh, coming up now, we've got Mark Garner from the Stephen Gerrard Academy uh, speaking to John Gibbons. It's John Gibbons from the Anfield Wrap, and I'm joined in the studio by Mark Garner from the Stephen Gerrard Academy to talk about a new football media course that they're running, that we're supporting them with, that started in the summer. This is the first year, and... Well, I know we've had the minutes. It's going really well, isn't it? It is, John, yeah. And obviously we spent a lot of time planning uh, what the course was going to look like um, because I think it was really important for both the Anfield Rap and Stephen Gerrard Academy that when we launched this, we wanted to launch it properly. So as we were building up and we were talking about the preparation, we, we put a lot of thought into not just the qualification side of the course, but obviously the work experience yeah. and, and, and access to both sports and the media industry. So, as you say, it started really well. There's a lot of people who were involved, who you've got involved, not just ourselves and we're delighted that we are, but people who are very involved in sports on a day-to-day, um, in the media side, who were, who were giving these young people experience, advice, and they've come on so much. And I couldn't believe how, you know, I, I knew how talented they were from the start, but, you know, how quickly they're, they're learning from when they come in here. And it's from that first-hand experience, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think the thing for us, what we've found is that people like, obviously, organisations such as the Anfield Rap and uh, the, the sports media industry in general and individuals who work in the sector have just been massively supportive. Um, and when we started to explain to people what we were trying to achieve with this programme, people were just so generous uh, with the time. So we've had all sorts of uh, people come in so far, you know, broadcasters, commentators, content creators, filmmakers. It's and we're literally, what, three three months into the course, so it's been like a, an ideal start. Yeah, when I was speaking to the students when they come in, they'd all picked up little things from different people and little bits of advice and nuggets, but obviously the practical experience that they're doing, they're learning very much sort of on the job as, as well as, you know, sort of in the classroom. And I know because of the links you talked about and... The, the, the people that you've met over the years and worked with, there's some really exciting opportunities coming up as well, isn't there, for some of these students to get involved with? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, one of the things that we said, and it was very deliberate, we said, you know, these students are going to do a level uh, three qualification in creative media. But for us, it was just as important to have voluntary work experience as a core part of the course. So what we said, we wanted to get a really good balance. So the way we've constructed it this year is we've got students doing three days a week uh, where they're in the classroom and they're gaining the theoretical knowledge and experience. But then they've got at least two days in the week where they're putting that into practice. So as an example, on a Wednesday afternoon, the students will go out uh, and shadow our different Stephen Gerrard Academy football squads. So that'll be pre-match interviews with players and coaches. It'll be, um, you know, post-match talks, dipping into the analysis. So the experiences that the stu- students are, are gaining is very much well-rounded. And we hope that, obviously, long-term, it'll be those types of experiences, really, that give them a good qu- uh, good chance of, of getting a career in this industry. No, absolutely. The experience they're gaining is going to be impressive to anyone. And maybe a bit of travel as well coming up. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. So we, we've sort of, when we first met this cohort of students, we said, look, what will happen for the first part of the course up to sort of January time? We said your work experience that you'll get will be very much domestic-based. And then as the new year comes in, we're going to give you some opportunities to go abroad. So the first one we've got coming up in January is we've got two places 
for students on the course uh, to go across to Utah nice. to shadow a couple of our football squads um, in Easter. There's an opportunity for the students, again, two places to go and shadow our Dallas Cup squads. So we've got three teams competing in the prestigious Dallas Cup. Um, and then beyond that, we've um, got some paid job opportunities this summer, again with a partner organisation called Smaller Earth, who as it happens are based Yeah, upstairs, yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so I know there's uh, quite a few of the students are coming to an event on, on the 30th of November. Um, it's called a Global Coaching Conference, and there's quite a few of the media students in particular who are keen to apply for jobs this summer with Smaller Earth. It's all brilliant, isn't it? It's all, all so exciting. But I'm interested in how much this course has added to use into the Stephen Gerrard Academy because when the, the, the young students came in and they were talking about doing a lot with the with the football players there and stuff like that, and I thought, well, that's a great experience for you. But then I thought, well, also for the football players, if you know some of them are going to have... You know, potentially lead careers. Like I know, so many of your ex, your 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 ex students, you know, do go on to, to 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 the professional game, which is brilliant. Or going over to you know, America and college. You know, the first time you're faced with a with an interview, when someone puts a microphone in your face, someone like me, <laughs> it can be quite daunting, isn't it? So the more I was thinking about it, of course, you know, just doing this course must be adding so much to the academy in general. A hundred percent, John. And I, a great example. Uh, recently, we've had uh, Josh Miles spent a year with us last year. Uh, he's just gone pro at Blackpool, made his senior debut uh, quite recently. But yeah, you're right, you know, these young players, um, it's completely alien to them the first time someone starts to ask them questions. So for us, what we're trying to achieve, if you like, by having the media course in and around the academy is that, yeah, like we've touched on, it's great experience for the media students to get used to approaching people with a camera, setting up the mics and the lighting. But it's, as you say, it's great for the players as well. Um, and what we want really is we want to, you know, you look at the likes of Liverpool FC's Instagram channel, that's what we're aspiring to be like. And, mm. and we feel that the media students are going to be a massive part of that. Um, and already you're seeing, if you look on, on the Steven Gerrard Academy Instagram page, a lot of the students' work is starting to get shared. Yeah. And, and over time, our hope is that by the end of this first year, at least one or two of those students will be taken on and employed by the academy. And fantastic. And then they'll be you know, passing their words of wisdom on to the next that's ones it. because that's what I guess you need to start thinking about because you're only three months in and you feel like you're only just getting going with this first year. But you know the way education works, I guess you, you, you're thinking about next year already and, and, and the second year cohort and... I know there's an open day here, uh, January the 18th, my daughter's birthday, so I remember that. I'm glad you reminded me of the date. <laughs> glad you didn't put me on yeah, the spot. Yeah, my daughter's birthday, uh, January the 18th, uh, here is an open day. And, you know, we, you, want to see as many people as possible who, who've been, you know, maybe listening to this themselves or people who've got family members who have got an interest in the media, not quite sure what to do next. It is a fantastic way to, to live and learn with, with some great people. Yeah, definitely. And, and for us, that's what we, we did it last year and it was really successful. Uh, the open evening, students will come in, they get like a full presentation from the Anfield Rap and from Stephen Gerrard Academy. Um, they'll get to do a full tour of the facilities here at the Rap. And, um, you know, if after that presentation, the, the young people and the parents think that this is a good option for them. You know, after GCSEs or, or maybe even if they're doing A-levels at the minute and fancy a change, then I'd definitely recommend they come along to uh, the open evening. Uh, and then if they want to, following that, they can obviously uh, apply for September 24. And another student who are on the programme now would be 
advocates if they were there they'd be shouting all about it because when they came in you can see it's beaming out of them how much they're enjoying it how much they're, they're almost surprised how much they're learning I think it, yeah it, it's amazing to see you know and I think it's dead important as you know for young people if they're enjoying what they're doing they'll bounce out of bed in the morning and we're absolutely seeing that with this cohort so we're really pleased with that how well uh, the experience has been received and as I say it's um, it's only just going to get better and better uh, year in year out well, thanks for getting us involved. It's been really, really rewarding for us. So we've really enjoyed it. So, so thank you. Um, so people want to have a think for themselves or for family members about next year. They maybe want to come here and, and for the for the open day, uh, January 18th. How do they find out a little bit more? So I think first of all, if you want to just get a little bit more information about the academy itself, uh, the website stephengerrardacademy.com. Uh, the Instagram page is, is regularly updated. There's a few posts a day going out on there. So that's just stephengerrard.academy. And I think really in terms of anyone who wants to come along to the, uh, to the open day, they can either send us a direct message through the Instagram page um, or just drop us an email at info at stephengerrardacademy.com. Brilliant. So very exciting. Thanks so much for coming in. Appreciate it. Thanks very much for your time, John. Thank you very much to Mark. Uh, isn't it nice to have Gareth? How are you? I'm all right, mate, yeah. It's yeah. nice to see you. Yeah, nice to be on. Um, like what you've done with the studio, mate. Oh, thank uh, you very much. <laughs> none of it's me. Uh, let's be crystal clear, none of it's me. Is it Sam? Uh, uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, painted twice, but you can ask him about that yourself. Uh, there is... Did he paint it blue initially? Oh, that, you can ask him oh, about that yourself. Blue or green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Teal. Yeah. Yeah, you ask him, honestly, message him, I'll say, say that blue. came up, send him a text. He didn't think it would be, and then he, then we switched the cameras on, and everyone just went, no. Ash is laughing Head off there in the corner, it's true. Uh, and, 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 and Sam was trying everything he could to make the cameras work differently. Uh, and it was like, no, mate, it looks blue on the cameras, and we can't be having that. Um, I was going to play challenge, yeah, go, mate. Yeah, um, taking along. Um, we've got we've got a Liverpool show now on a Monday, uh, live at five, so that's been going well, uh, getting good figures on that. Um, we've then got um, the main show where we, you know, we talk about a little bit of everything, really. So, got into you know, middle age life. A uh, bit of music, bit of footy, bit of news, bit of whatever. Bit of Everton. But bit of bit of whatever Kobe dreams up sometimes, you know what I mean? That's dangerous. It is dangerous. <laughs> um but yeah, it's it's taking along nicely, enjoying doing it, enjoying keeping my eye in, you know what I mean? Um I think when I left here, you know, one of the plans was to try and get into teaching and that kind of thing. Um, did a bit of that, did some of it at shoe school, um, but it's not really unfolded in terms of how I wanted, you know, in terms of being able to like pay me way through life. It, it, it's hard um, to get a to get a get a go in it really. So um, doing this, doing doing the late challenge, nice, yeah, just um, you know a little bit of a sense of purpose, keeping me going, taking along. Uh, people are signing up and all that. And obviously, if anyone's listening, watching now, and hasn't had a go, have a go. Have a go to the late challenge, and it's live at five because this is coming out on Sunday. You see, so people will be able to dive on tomorrow. Yeah, and um, you know, it's 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 one of them ones. That, you know, a little bit like the the talking reds of old days, where you know you can dive on in the comments and have a bit of a laugh and and you know ask us questions and give us comments and we'll react to them. I mean, some of them have been wild, like, and some of them have been uh, litigious. <laughs> no. Uh, and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So if you can throw some sensible stuff in, that'd be great. Uh, there's a lad called Ian who comes on every single week and uh, provides some great points. So well in, Ian, uh, for some sanity. Uh, so if anyone else wants to provide some sanity in the comments. <laughs> so it feels uh, like an appeal yeah, at this point. Dive on at five tomorrow on the Late Challenges YouTube. Um, the bigger picture, Roberto. The loss of Jota and Alison for what comes next. Um yeah for what we can call an unknown length of time. Oh, by the way, vote for us in the FSA Awards if you haven't already. Craig will be annoyed if I haven't raised it. Uh, for an unknown length of time is a major blow, um, ultimately, isn't it? 
and in the in the context of the games to come, the busy period is worth pointing that out. We don't know how long it is yet. Maybe when people are listening to this, they might have a better idea than us. But neither of them look like they're going to be back in time for for contention on Thursday. Yeah, injury is the thing I hate most about football. I hate injuries more than losing. Actually, just just upsets my whole worldview. Jota worries you because. He's, it might be unfair to say he's injury prone, but when he has had injuries, they tend to be elongated ones. So you worry on that score. Having said that, we do have, we did, we did have five strong forwards plus, plus young Ben Doak. So to lose one, I think we could cope if it was a month. It wouldn't be the end of the world. It's a big month though. It's a, it is a big month. The immediate fortnight is the sort of games where you would expect us to be able to cope to be about our us rather than the available options, to be honest with you, because, because we're playing teams in the bottom half. And Europa League. And Europa League. So it's so in two weeks' time, you go, well, you'd, you'd, like, you'd like them both back within a fortnight and go, we'll, we'll deal on that now. The keeper's the worry because mm. there's only one of him. Mm. <laughs> there is only one of him. Again, I suppose it's fortunate that the, that the next three games are against teams who we would hope we would have 70-odd percent possession with and, and the keeper wouldn't come under a huge amount of fire. Keller's perfectly competent. He's not Allison, But um, I don't know. They are just genuinely worrying as we come into this cluster of fixtures. I just hope one of them does, it isn't a, a real sting in the tail and is a two- or three-month torn hamstring job. Yeah, the the big thing for me is the, the period of time that's happened ahead of. You know what I mean? It's I, I think don't I don't think Liverpool have got a free midweek now until is it mid January something like that. And then there's loads of time. Yeah. yeah. Well, it depends if they get through the League Cup, but yeah. Yeah. So we, we're just playing all the time. So n- not having that option of Jota who can play across the front line and is one of the few who can maybe play on Salah's side if Salah needs a break, just because of how two footed he is. You know that that that's a that's a shame. Now it's I mean maybe if you want to look on the positive side. It's another place for for Gakpo maybe to get into the team. You know, Gakpo playing on on the on the left a little bit more, which is where he thrived at PSV. Um, so that's maybe a positive angle of it. But it'd be nice to have him available for this busy period, as you say. And in terms of Allison, you know, I said earlier he's got he had a free pass for the weekend. Um, and the reason he's got a free pass is because he's just he's, he's the best goalkeeper I've ever seen um, at, at Liverpool. And his, his ability to almost win points on his own, I think, is just unrivaled like you've only got to check his numbers and his over performance in terms of in comparison to like normal shot stopping it's 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 beyond normal and his ability to sweep up his ability to distribute from the back one-on-ones yeah one-on-ones I mean we can see a few of them because the way we play it's a decision we, we can take the risk because we've got him in goal you can't take that risk as freely if it's Kelleher you just can't exactly. I, I was saying to my, do you think there's a better one-on-one goalkeeper there's ever been I mean Schmeichel was the the archetype, but I think he's he's at that level. I think he's best than Schmeichel. Mm. I think Schmeichel was just all about I'll make myself really, really yeah. big. This mm. fella comes and like palms the ball away and anticipates. Yeah, yeah. And, I, yeah, I accept yeah. that. There's, yeah. very, there's a lot of nostalgia with, with them kind of talks, isn't he? But I think Alisson for me, I, I'm not sure. I mean, obviously, I obviously haven't watched the Premier League since since the era began. But like, I can't see many all rounders that are as good as him across you know across the board at, at everything that a goalkeeper is responsible for doing. He doesn't really have a weakness when you think about it. Um, and as, as I said then, like in terms of Liverpool maybe adapting a little bit, it could give the team a bit of a a bit of a kick up the backside. Basically, in terms of we can no longer, you know, allow these shots if if Keller has going to be in goal for this Christmas period. Um, so maybe it maybe it provides a bit of a defensive boost on that on that side of things, but. Having you know play, play, trying to win a tight without Allison in your, in your goal is is, is going to make it a lot harder basically. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's spot on there, mate, because that, you know, they defend almost knowing they've got him at times, you know, the risk taken, the high line, all of them things that have been discussed. Um, in death. 1920, they do have the start of the season, first eight weeks with Adrian. It's worth yeah. pointing that out. No, it yeah. is worth pointing that out, and it goes all right, and then just at the minute where you think it's about to turn, Alisson comes back to full fitness. And he's better than him. Gareth is better than Adrian, obviously. There was a debate at that time, should Adrian stay in goal? Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, was he in goal for the draw man you Adrian or was Alison back by then I think Alison was possibly back by then but I'm not 100% so he won every game with Adrian yeah won the Super Cup won the Super Cup yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Adrian when he his mad thing afterwards um, like yeah I mean look Kelleher I, I like him and everything and I like his character and I, I think he's had some good games a little bit particularly in the League Cup but I don't know. I mean, you mentioned ring rustiness before, Rob, about Curtis Jones. I think sometimes he look he looks like he has that as well. I thought one of the goals against Toulouse was awful. Mm. Like it just looked like he was hugging the post and made it easy for the for the lads to just stick it in the other corner. And and obviously when you stood on the cop watching that, you're going, Well, if that was Allison, do you know what I mean? So I hope we don't have loads of if that was Allison moments. I mean, I'm j i am was just looking there to see if anything had been said. And Klopp said afterwards that um I spoke to him and he said he only felt it a little bit, but we'll have to see what happens with the scan. So that's there's a little bit of hope there that maybe it's not as long as we fear. Um, but I, th- I think as well, you know, look at the... Maybe deal on, right now, if I ask you all, which is all deal on, he's back for Sellers Park. 100%, yeah, because that, oh, yeah, that, that, that last Fulham and Sheffield United will be the three misses. Yeah, that's what that, I was yeah. about to say. I deal on back for Man U. You know, oh, the, right. the, run, the, run, the run of fixtures <laughs> is kind, isn't it? You would say to cope with any injuries. So, you know, as, as you've just said, you know, Lask, I mean, Lask are 20 to 1 to win at Anfield. So, you know, I think we'll be all right. Um, and then Fulham at home, Sheffield United away, Palace away, another Europa League game, and then Man United. Even Man United, I don't want to tempt fate here, but people, people keep going on about this game. The crap. I know. So, so I'm, I'm, it's, a, it's part of my easy run. Yeah, exactly. It gets <laughs> tougher as you approach Christmas, that's but that's yeah. That's we're not, we're not deep enough it. into Advent there. That's I'm, past the easy I'm, home I'm run. I'm looking at it going, yeah, yeah. Well, we're definitely winning that. You know, we've got three home games on the spin: Man United, West Ham, and Arsenal. Arsenal's the difficult one. Yeah, Man United, the crap. Yeah, West Ham's harder. Yeah. Uh, no, with you, couldn't, couldn't agree with you more. Uh, by the way, I'm really looking forward to watching that chaos unfold later on today. Stu in the league title picture. Um, it's an annoying late winner for Arsenal, it's worth saying. Uh, not least because they deserved it. I thought it was another game where I just felt they were, they were short of inspiration. But to be fair to them, yet again, they kicked the door down. And that's part of doing this job. But for me, in terms of the run of fixtures to come, whilst we've all just been there, well, we will deal on this with the goalkeeper, etc., etc. Part of the reason why I actually wouldn't deal on it in Sellers Park is because what they haven't shown still, and it's a bit harsh because they haven't had tons of opportunity to do it. Wolves, they do show it. They don't show it at Luton is that they can get the job done against the bottom 10 away from home. It remains in a really weird way. They can go to tough grounds away and really give a great account of themselves. That's what they've done everywhere they've gone over the course of the campaign. For me, the challenge is they've got to go and I think they've got to put a performance in at Bramall Lane because what they want is sides thinking Liverpool are coming. We don't want to get made to a show of on our own ground. We want to cover up a bit. And I, I really think it's a big one at Bramall Lane. I'm not, I'm not building it up for no reason. Liverpool have got to go there and show you don't mess with us. Yeah, Liverpool, this Liverpool team, you know, for all the reasons we've said so far as well, but, you know, it's still got everything to prove and this is one of the things that they've got to prove that they can actually put the run together and yeah. it, 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 there's been a lot of talk about the... Um, I've won an away game in the league now since September the 14th. Yeah, and there's been a, a, a lot of talk about the um, the run that we've had of aways and we've got a lot of the, the difficult ones out the way and blah, blah, blah and stuff like that. But that's only 
the case that's only you know worth its salt if we actually then start to put away the lesser lesser lights within the league and Liverpool should be looking at this now yeah they've got to take it game by game but they should be very very clear in their minds of objective objective one is January the 1st we should be top of the league City have got a game that they're not playing haven't they because of, because of the yeah World Club Brentford postponed yeah. I think yeah World yeah. Club Championships so Liverpool should be looking at that and going okay we've got to make it our business now that we're top of the league come January um, and to do that you know I'm, I'm more concerned about going away to the Sheffield United's um, of this world and the Palace of this world than I am of the home game against Arsenal which might be mad I don't think Arsenal are going away by the way at the moment no, I think Arsenal right. I think Arsenal you know if, if there comes a drop off with Arsenal which I, I suspect that there will do because I, I don't think they're as, uh, as good as us and I think the drop off would come around February I think that's traditionally the point where Arsenal's title challenges start to just run around a little bit. Um, but I can see them, you know, this being a very competitive, healthy race up until that point. And we've just got to make sure that we're still, um, it's still our business then. The, the, the idea you said at the very top of the show, Rob, that, you know, they've got this result, but you're still not sure what it means. Mm. We know what it means if they win the next three league games. That's when we know what it means. That's when it's, it's inarguable what it meant. They've got it. They've got to knuckle down. And and listen, I think you can turn Luton into a bit of a hard luck story, especially when you look at the numbers. Me and Josh talked about that on the show. Yeah. You can turn it into a bit of a hard luck story. They haven't got room for any more hard luck stories, though. They haven't got room for hard luck stories at Bramall Lane and Sellers Park. They are nailed on must wins, and I'm not taking Fulham for granted either. But you'd expect Liverpool and Anfield to do the decent thing. It's Bramall Lane and Sellers Park to me. There's a big red arrow over both of them, which there was before they kicked off against Man City in my head. Yeah, we do a great show, don't we, in our subscription service, a tour player called The Overview Show, where we look at banks of fixtures. I think it's been nominated for <laughs> BAFTAs, actually. I've no doubt it has. So something like that. It's, yeah. it's an incredible show. But on that show, <laughs> as its host, I made the point that these three games were season-defining. I thought the City was a free hit to a degree. Well, now we've got that free. I know people don't like that kind of talk, but it, but it, was, it wasn't going to define who we were as a team. But as you said, these three games do, because they're against lesser lights. They're the sort of fixtures where we clearly dropped too many points last season. Yeah. I feel if we navigate these, and any, and I, I hate to sort of heap pressure on on myself as well as the team, but I hate anything less than nine points from those. And then, uh, and we have to almost realign what are realistic to our ambitions for the season. I think we win those three, we can say to ourselves as a team and as a fan base, right, we're up for this title. We're ready to. And I don't, they don't even have to be one with any great style or a plum. I think I could do with them though, scaring people. And the, the Sheffield United one for me is what like Bournemouth went there and they were three 0 up by fifty. Do you know, like I'm not, I'm not being funny about this. This is for me, Rob. You'd like to see a spank one of them. I'd like because what that I think then does is, it, in, like, for instance, when we go to Burnley on Boxing Day, Burnley are thinking, listen, just don't let it be too heavy because we want to build up. You know, I think there's got to be a bit more of that, not a little bit of Liverpool are coming to town. You can get at them, you know. Do you know what I mean? I'd like to see us. I'd like to see us cut a swathe in terms of creating chances and XG. One of the things that was, I know people said against uh, Luton, we we created uh, a few nailed on chances and that we should have come away with something but I felt we weren't able to open Luton up quite as much at will as I would like against a team that, that that's that poor and I'd like to see us do that harking back to Kyle, Kyle Walker's now seminal interview after the game yesterday where he talked about this Liverpool side not looking like it could open them up as much I'd do like, you want to get Kyle on as a guest you well, he's, he, I mean, he's coming on the next overview show if uh, you want to subscribe and see they, they can take that either way but um 
But it, there's a point at which I think when you say what we when we noticed we had a great team on our hands under Jurgen Klopp was when that front three truly began to gel in the second uh, second phase of the seventeen eighteen yeah. season. We had, these these are unbelievable. We are pulling teams apart at will. We weren't always winning. We were having the odd bad result, but that we became scary. I'd like to see us become scary. Even the scoreline is yet to reflect it. See what happened in the Luton game was. Um, they they fully adopted the role of like we are the inferior team here and we are going to sit ten behind the ball all day and, yeah. and and when you when you do that it it completely it's not so much Liverpool facing like the, the weaker sides in the league and not being able to do it it's it's when Liverpool are tasked with opening up a game and winning the game basically without the transition if you remove the transition completely and you have to break down a team like Manchester City do maybe I think that's when Liverpool encounter some issues and. But I think Sheffield United are definitely going to approach the game in a similar manner. And I, I go back to that game a few seasons ago. Horrible game to watch. Um, I think Wijnaldum scores a goal. One up Bramall Lane, yeah. Yeah, trickles over. Um, Through Dean Henderson. Yeah, that was that was an that was a true. We made very game, few that. chances that day. Yeah, One or that, two good ones outside of the goal. Yes. Yeah, but, but relatively tight pitch, and it's it, it's that kind of match scenario that it's Liverpool such needs. Such a small here. pitch. Yeah, it is. Liverpool, it's like watching an eleven a side game on a five a side pitch. It's yeah, mad. It, it will feel very Luton. It will yeah. feel like Luton again. Um, what, Mate, time, what time is the kickoff? Half seven. Is it half seven? Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Wednesday night at half seven. Uh, looking forward. Banana skin, mate. Definitely uh, banana skin. Are you going? Yeah. Uh, Lask, uh, quickly, Gareth. I'll read the team out. You can tell me if you disagree. Kelleher, Gomez, Canate, Quanta, Chambers, Endo, Elliot, Gravenberch, Diaz, Gakpo, Doak. Sounds fair, mate. Um, you don't really need, like I said before, I mean, they're, they're crap. Um, I, 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 I can't be bothered with this. No disrespect. Full disrespect. Some disrespect. Loads of disrespect. If you're 20 to 1 going into a two horse race, then um, you're not very good. You're a bad horse. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, Liverpool will be all right with that team, I think. Any disagreements on that team? I'll play Jones. I just, I just think Jones has missed a lot of football, and he was clearly ring rusty. And Jones plays better. Bit of rhythm, maybe, better maybe use Elliot in the front three. Use Jones, Doak to come on. Yeah, if you want to get the best out of Jones, I think you've got to, you've got to give him a, a, a little bit of a run. You've got to find a way to give him a run. And you know, <laughs> I'm saying that, but I'd be playing in the league game. I'd be playing Gravenberg in the league game that follows. Um, but you've got to find a way to give Jones some games. Um, okay. Uh, I think Gravenberg. He didn't doesn't play in the international break. He's only got what 40 minutes or so yesterday. I think he can afford to give him an hour. And still start him against Fulham. Yeah. Um, all perfectly reasonable, excellent stuff. I'm just going to say it's a game we should obviously win, as Gareth says, at least some disrespect. We could do it to lose, not winning, because it would mean, therefore, on the night, Liverpool are qualified top of the group. And it would be lovely uh, to be able to genuinely uh, use the, the game on the 14th of December as an ability to give some players time you want to give time to and give a full rest to others and even allow a lot of, a lot of players not to travel. Uh, it's been the Anfield Rap, it's been the business. Thanks to Ash for producing. He's about to run off to Prenton Park to see Liverpool women hopefully do the business as well. Uh, thank you very much to uh, my guests, uh, Josh Will. Williams, Gareth Roberts, Kyle Walker, Stu Wright and Rob Gutman. Uh, it's been the Anfield Wrap this week. Uh, it wasn't quite that all bets were off. It wasn't quite that no holds were barred. But me, Stu and Gareth, we were all out late last night. We've done our business like Alexis McAllister. We were nearly falling asleep in a team meeting. That's the Anfield Wrap. Sports Social Podcast Network. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At US Border Patrol, Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.